Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, can you guess what's coming next? Let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. Oh, that was wonderful, James. Wow. Shall we have a go at doing it together? No, no, I don't think we could do it better than you just did it. What a wonderful <laughs> Christmas anthem you have made up. The fact that I have never learnt to play the guitar and the fact that I cannot sing doesn't mm. stop me from doing both of those things simultaneously anyway. Um, you weren't really playing the guitar. Elaborate. Well, playing the guitar it involves skill. You're just, <laughs> you're just strumming the strings on a guitar. Okay. Mm. How would you start the Christmas special of Private Practice Podcast 2019? Not like that. Private Practice Podcast. Private Practice Podcast. I might say something like. From the London Private Practice Podcast Studios, it's a Merry Christmas from me, Daniel P. Brown. And from the Spanish Private Practice Studio, it's an enjoyable and complex Christmas from me, James Hall. Did you like what I did there? Yay! Yes, I did, James. We are not bringing you tidings of comfort and joy. We are bringing you tidings of complexity and enjoyment this year. Yes, what a great, great little catchy little tagline for today's episode. (laughs) I can't wait to listen back to this and enjoy it all over again. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you can uh, pick it up from the sound of my voice. I don't know if it sounds... Uh, any different but I have a cold and a sore throat at the moment so I will do my best Um, obviously not singing would go a long way to help me get through this episode without losing my voice yes but you're going to power on through anyway aren't you James (laughs) yes I am so uh, normally for the for the past two years for our Christmas special, I've had a great long list of things I'd say coming up this year we're going to play Is it a neurosis or is it a Freudian slip or something like that? Uh, And then I'd say, and then we've got my festive green man joke of the year. And then we're going to play... God, yeah. ...etc. This year, I've narrowed it down to the two greatest hits. The two cornerstones of the Private Practice Podcast Christmas special. That is indignant listener feedback and the sack game. Hooray! (coughs) Hang on, hang on, I've got one for you as well. (coughs) Where would you like to start out of those two things? Oh, James, I just think we should have a little festive catch-up before we get straight into the exciting fun that you've got semi-prepared for us. 
That is the correct answer. If you had chosen one of them, I was going to say that actually the correct answer was neither. I wanted to have a catch up. How are you? Oh, I'm well, James. Yes, I've just I'm just getting over and or developing a cold myself, but uh, I'm not going to moan and complain like you did. How has this year been in general? Oh, it's been an exciting year full of ups and downs and um yeah no it's been a good year um i'm moving house again <laughs> uh, work work's been exciting um love life's been top notch um <laughs> it's been a good year there's been ups and downs and i'm moving again that's basically exactly the same thing that you wheeled out last year for the christmas special anything different this year <laughs> <laughs> no not really it's just it's my annual Ups and downs and moving house, obviously. Um, well, I've got some excellent news for the listener. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. hopefully this won't be news to Dan. I am going to be imposing myself on the London private practice studio. Um, what? In an awful way. And by awful, I mean sort of round-the-clock way. Go on. I am returning to the land of hope and glory where I shall be installing myself as only child in residence on a permanent basis at the private practice studio. How do you feel about that, Daniel P. Brown? Well, now that you've put it like that, some warning flags have been raised and waved. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of putting a, a lock on the outside of your bedroom door. To lock me in? Yes, when I need to. OK. No, I'm quite excited about it, really, James, you know. Uh, for for, a, for a, medium, a medium term, see how, how it goes. That, yeah, I'm kind of excited, because I think we've always thought living together might be quite good fun. Um, we'll just have to see whether that's true or not. I'm sure the listener will be very excited to have that as an additional ongoing narrative of the Private Practice podcast. Um, I've also, uh, in previous episodes, I've kind of joked, usually in the show notes, not necessarily in the episode, I've joked about uh, playing a drinking game where every time Dan says either accessible or a flow activity... Uh, you take a drink. And seeing as this is the Christmas special, because normally we are a totally serious podcast about uh, mental health and <laughs> psychoanalysis, in which case our official line is that alcohol is the worst possible drug for ruining your life. However, it's Christmas! <laughs> Yay! So I've got myself a nice Crianza 2016 Rioja wine. And so I'm just holding wait, it up. Wait, 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 wait. You're podcast drinking without me? Well, it's every time you say a flow experience or a flow activity or accessible. This is an accessible activity for anyone. This is, so when I go off on some lofty monologue for half an hour about art and visiting the Louvre and considering the oeuvre in the Louvre, uh, and then I start talking in Latin, I am totally not speaking for the people, uh, with the people, by the people or anything like that. I'm talking at the people from my lofty position, whereas Dan is the voice of the people. He can say things like, if you go for a walk, 
It's a totally accessible flow activity. Anyone can access that flow activity. It's a totally accessible way of finding a flow activity. And so every time you say that in this episode, I'm going to have a sip of my 2016 Crianza local... Well, not that local, because the local wine is um, a different one, but Rioja is uh, relatively local wine. Lovely. Well, I've just opened... Cheers. A, che- yes, cheers to you. Uh, no, that's not a proper... No, that was a... Uh, I wonder what sound this will make. No, I need to... Have I held the stem, maybe? But what about just use the noise that I'm making that's a perfectly... Oh, yeah, that's a better one. Yeah, much better. Um, so I've just opened a Black Pig, the prize, McLaren Vale Shiraz, which is a very nice, very nice bottle of wine. But it does have a screw top, so I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. The listener anyway. may have noticed that I asked you how your year has been and you are yet to ask me how my year has been. Yes, that's because, James, you didn't really allow for it to turn into a conversation. You just shot dead down my opening gambit. <laughs> I feel like I enabled the conversation to be truly accessible. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to have to do the noises because otherwise... Look. There we go. Yes, truly accessible. Carry on. And enabling you to really engage with what it was that I was saying. It was like a nice opening moment, you know. So, so this and what, year, and what I, would that? How would Michaly Chitson Michaly have described that situation? Um, uh, that's a good question. I think he would have described it as a as a minor example of the plethora of moments you have in a day to experience flow. And what do we call those experiences? Flow experiences. Yay! Okay, good, good. Well, this definitely is the best Christmas episode ever. I'm hoping Um, that there'll be all kinds of jingle bells in the background whilst we say everything, of course, James, yes? Absolutely, possibly, this is the closest recording to release date I've ever done, so that remains to be seen. And I'm just going to answer the question. I've had the best year of my life. What? I've had the best year of my life. Okay, great. Tell us about the best year of your life. Well, I've mostly done that on the Private Practice podcast. Uh, The listener is probably sick of hearing it, so I won't go into detail. But I just found myself recently happier Uh than ever before. Complex. Mm -hmm. More complex than ever. Enjoying life more than ever. Why more complex? You're, you're more complex than ever. Absolutely. Why? Why so? How so? Uh, enable, because... enable the listener to truly immerse themselves in what it is that you're saying so that they can find... Uh, I'm thinking of another word, but I'm going to say find what you're saying accessible to them. <laughs> um, well... I can. I think J- I can James, be quite concise, James, even though I James, haven't rehearsed an James, answer. James, yes. James, James, a drinking game where you say you have to drink when the word accessible is said means you. Yeah, good. There we go. Is that? Yep. A, I, I am. I am being professional and on two counts. One, I am thinking the, about the fact that we are making an audio accessible experience. <laughs> not a visual one and secondly that i don't intend to actually get completely drunk within the first what are we on <laughs> 10 minutes or so of the podcast 
Um, I can tell you, I mean, well, since you asked, Dan, I can tell you exactly why I'm more complex. Number one, I have been, since the very beginning, when you introduced me to Counting the Blue Things, many seasons ago of this podcast, when we did an episode, uh, a double part episode in a previous incarnation of this podcast, and the episodes were called The Here and Now, where we looked at the psychoanalytical construct of being in the moment in the therapy room and how the mm-hmm. therapist reads the client and there are words like transference and countertransference to try and understand what the other person is doing thinking etc by how you feel because you are reading and interpreting that person and reflecting it back to them and and uh, and then again transference is the reflection the countertransference is the reflection of the reflection is that about right yeah that's about right yeah i guess so yeah that was the very beginning. You introduced, well, Yalom introduced me to the subject which I presented to you in a previous uh, series of the podcast. And was, then uh, I was going to answer this in a very brief, simple, and yeah, accessible I mean, way. Uh, Although oh I, think, God. I think it's meant Don't to drink. I think it's, it's meant to be only be when you say it. So I'm going to stop doing. I'm not. Even, I'm going to stop doing it when I say it. I'm not going to shoehorn in your catchphrases throughout this episode when um, you do it more than enough times yourself. Yes, this is going to be a simple... So let's move on from... Let's, let's, take, a mom- let's take a moment, James. Okay. Just let's take a moment. And what's the best... Come on, here's one simple question for you first. What is the best Christmas colour? Red. OK, now let's take a moment to just look around the room and see how many different red objects... We can see. Just just having a little moment. Okay. Oh, there's so many small red objects in my room. Okay, so there's the red wine. There's the red speaker on which the microphone is perched. There's a red book underneath the red speaker. On the other side of the room, there's a red pen pot. There is red in some of the paintings on the wall. There's a red kettle and matching red toaster. I can see a red pepper. And other red vegetables in the fruit bowl. I can see a red bowl in the washing up and there are some red Christmas decorations hanging in the window, some tiny little red baubles surrounded by fairy lights. How festive and Christmassy. And back to the question. So this year you've become a more complex individual. So you introduced me to the idea of the here and now and from that I found myself interested in a very sort of like entry-level understanding of uh, neuroscience and mindfulness. The simple idea of recognising that thoughts come into your head, into that space that is your understanding of what's happening in the world right now. And you can let those thoughts go. You can think about where they came from. You can think about how you feel when you get those thoughts, but the fact is that they are thoughts that can just go as opposed to a state, a factual state of reality in your life. So when you have a thought, for example, like if I think to myself, um, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, I'm drifting along, I'm not where I wanted to be when I was younger, and it spirals into a whole 
sequence of thoughts about what can I do in the future? What if it all goes wrong? Why haven't I made the decision already that's the best decision for my life? Why am I not being guided to make the best decisions in life? Why have I not sought the best guidance? When is my life going to get even worse because I'm on a downward spiral to catastrophe? All of those are thoughts that just spiral out of control in the chaos of your head as you, as I, as I am prone to catastrophize about the future. And the simplest thing is just to recognize that they are thoughts and they're not the reality of my life now or the future and suddenly it makes it much easier to order those thoughts into which ones are fact which ones are likely futures which ones are totally uh, sporadic predictions that are based on nothing but paranoia and my propensity to catastrophize And it makes it much easier to order thoughts. And once you start to order thoughts and become aware of thoughts, everything becomes easier. Making decisions becomes easier. Enjoying a walk becomes easier. Making a podcast becomes easier. Teaching an English lesson becomes easier. Cooking dinner and listening to a podcast becomes easier because I don't have the chaos of all the other things in my head at the same time. Uh, So I'm only just starting to practice the process of ordering thoughts i've only been doing it for half of this year but the keen borderline fanatical listener will know that i started the year for a month in a small uh, a small building in someone's garden in montpellier where i just spent a month thinking about all of my problematic behavior where it comes from and what i can do about it and reading into the ideas in psychoanalysis which prompted season four of the podcast and Mm. then As a consequence of that, you, Daniel P. Brown, gave me the flow book, which also puts it into puts the whole concept of ordering thoughts into the most perfectly, uh, as I've said before, autiste friendly, clear and easy to understand, simplified premise for me. It's not this is why we're doing this podcast, because the book's not for everyone. It's it kind of repeats things, as we've said, it can be Mm -hmm. very clinical with its. It's like analysing a joke. Some people feel like the joke is killed when you analyse it, whereas I love an analysed joke and I find it funnier after the analysis than before the analysis, which is why I like the flow book and which is why I assume the flow book is not for everyone. Of course, yes. And in answer to the question, why is it that you're a, a more complex person? For I believe that even the most astute listener may have missed your answer. In the- <laughs> In the deluge of words that festively came from your wine-addled tongue. I put the question to you. Why do you think I'm a more complex person going into the next decade than I was for most of the previous one? James, I, I don't know that I would say that you were a more complex person, but maybe you're engaging with yourself and the world around you in a more complex way. Well... I think this is a good time to change the subject from me to someone else talking about me. What a 
good time to change the subject, yes. So this is our annual listener feedback event. Yes. Uh, this year, I've only got one piece of listener feedback because it's pretty hefty and is very critical of both you and me and, and opens a can of worms. So I thought I'd just leave it at that one piece of listener feedback. Before I carry on, for the jolly Christmas special, full of fun, good tidings, complexity and enjoyment, of course... Um, are your spirits sinking slightly at the prospect of me shouting something critical at you? Well, of course they are, yes. How fragile are you feeling at the moment? Mm. Right now, how open are you to criticism? I'm always open to criticism. Obviously, it's, it's mostly about the way that it's put to you, isn't it? <laughs> let's, let's see how this goes. OK, so... The listener says, You are both impossibly ignorant when it comes to sociology. Just steer clear and stick to pop psychology. So that's the end of the criticism initially. However, I asked some follow-up questions. So this came right after episode two. And basically in episode two... (laughs) Uh, I more or less said something along the lines of the problem with you silly working class people is that you haven't bothered to spring clean all that psychic entropy out of your funny little heads. Be more like me, divine James Hall. Take a month off to sit in Montpellier in paradise and do so and then you'll be on the way to matching my superiority. Something like that. Uh I'm I'm still... Interested as to wait was that your response to the criticism about that you know that we should stay well away from sociology? Uh, well, okay, so that is part of my response. Would it help uh-huh. if I just if I said I said this doesn't mean anything to me because um, we recorded episode two in July. It's now the fourteenth of November. Uh, at the time we were on episode six when episode two went out, and so it didn't immediately come to me what was said in that episode. And then I thought back and I remembered, oh, yes, that's the one where I said something about speaking down to people with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get yeah, over yourself yeah. and start flowing. Yes, but I'm just wondering what we're impossibly ignorant about. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm trying to... Oh, don't worry, that's coming. Oh, good, good, good. I, I w- would like some clarification. This is quite a bulky feature. Oh, good, great, great. OK, continue. <laughs> Uh, So I was being quite tongue-in-cheek because... So I'm just going to pause here to say that in the moment, I had not planned to make uh, stupid British-class jokes, but uh, I come from originally the archetypal Southern England middle-class background in that I was born in Surrey, the epicentre of the middle class in the south of England, and... My dad was an architect and I lived in suburbia and everything was as normal as it gets. But then I went to Mauritius and then throughout life, various things happened. My parents just lost all their money, sold their house. All these kinds of things happened. So what went from an archetypal middle-class cliche, it became living in a very, very cheap, two-up, two-down, absolutely typical working-class house uh, whilst simultaneously going to a little Lord Fauntleroy elitist 
private school, which was mostly paid for with my grandma's savings. So all of these things contradicted. I was going to a school where a lot of other kids were very wealthy and my parents had no money and they were spending it all on me going to this school. But previous to that, I'd been living in a tiny flat where my parents lived on the floor because we had no house and no money. And I went to a local inner city state school. And then, and then later on, I went to a, a state sixth form college. And so and, and mo half my family are sort of like, um, I don't know, originally working class, but became middle class and from Manchester. So I don't have an obvious place in the British class system. I did for the first seven years of my life when it meant nothing to me. And then I grew up with the context constantly changing. And I was aware of the fact that I was not part of any archetype. I was not an obvious cliche. And therefore, I've always been kind of mocking of the class system. I will quite happily slip into pretending I'm upper class, middle class, lower class, whatever the joke demands. And therefore, mm -hmm. in the moment of recording that episode, uh, when I was talking, when I was, well, the, 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 the episode should really have been about the fact that there are things in your life that you can control and things in your life that you can't control. And those that mm -hmm. you can control can lead to flow activities which can create a lot of enjoyment. And um, the simplest way of looking at that is to say, uh, people say things like, be grateful for what you have and make the most of, and all that. but I don't think that's the same thing because being grateful means you have to constantly remember every day to say, I am grateful for this glass of water because there are people in other parts of the world where they don't have clean running water and they have to walk miles to a well and it might have dried up. Whereas even though I've just lost my job and I'm in a deprived part of the UK and my prospects are not great and I didn't have a really good education and all those kind of like middle-class Londoners, the metropolitan elite, it's all right for them, but it's not all right for me. It's difficult in that situation to think, but I have a glass of crystal clear, delicious, clean water, and I'm going to be grateful for this. And every day, every time I have a glass of water, I'm going to be grateful and feel good about myself. It's difficult to do that when everything else is stacked up to suggest that you've been dealt an unfortunate um, set of cards right now in life. Uh-huh. So at the same time, to say, well, just start flowing is not very helpful, but... I think it's different to, if you say, just be grateful for the glass of water, you have to constantly remember to be grateful, which is an abstract thing. And, you know, you'll do it maybe at best for a week, realistically for a day and then never again and just be miserable. But if you, for example, when we talked about walking, the fact that anyone can get into the habit of walking as a flow activity. And what does that mean, Dan? If anyone can do it. It's accessible. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, okay, good, very good, very good. Sorry, James, help me out here. I have absolutely no idea what you're really talking about and why or how it relates to the comment that you and I should steer well clear of sociology, the most respected of all sciences, because you guys haven't got a clue what Emil Durkheim said in, in whatever year he was around saying things in. And and you can you can shut your faces about Chomsky as well, because you don't know nothing. Well that was why I that was why I summarized myself with that stupid quote by saying, Are you working class people 
you need to spring clean all that psychic entropy out of your heads. And like me, you need to start doing flow activities and then you'll find enjoyment and get that chip off your shoulder. Stop complaining that life is... Uh, that you're uh -huh. a victim and life uh -huh. is a series of unfortunate uh -huh. things caused by other people who are easy to blame. Instead yeah, of Yes, 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 we got that bit. Okay, so but... it, it may have come across that that was my sole message, just being obnoxious, uh, <coughs> pretending uh -huh, to talk yes. down to people like I am okay. uh, some kind of deluded, elitist, uh -huh. arrogant and deeply uh -huh. unpleasant individual. Well... Yeah. I mean, that was the role that I took for the joke because it required that gap between the reality and what I was presenting for it to be a joke. Otherwise, it would have. Yes. It would not yes. have been a joke. But the reality is that I don't speak down to people. However, I do think that what the Flow book has to offer anyone, no matter what their circumstances, is that if you recognise the things that are out of your control and the things that are in your control, you can take those things that are in your control and turn them into a flow activity. And no matter how bad your life is, it can get some little bit better as soon as you start engaging in an accessible flow activity. And then, obviously, with that graph, the only way is up. OK, so... Back to the comment about sociology and the, the sorry the listener feedback section. Help, help, help me out here. Back to the listener. listener feedback. Good. So we've totally exhausted what I said in the episode, what I should have said, or how I should have said it, or whatever. The point of the episode was that anyone, no matter what their circumstances, can find flow. But I presented that as a joke at the expense of the working class. Okay. And then this is the best bit. So then his response is... And oh, I said, I'm assuming that sociology, which is the word sociology in quotes, because that's the word he used, I'm assuming a sociology means understanding social class. And his response was this. The problem isn't just you talking to me. Dan, with his deceptively attractive, reasonable-sounding voice, is just as guilty of it as you are. You just don't seem to understand basic ideas of habitus and narrativization, and come across as a pair of Jordan Peterson lights paying lip service to self-awareness about it notwithstanding. Do you want me to repeat that? Oh, yeah, please. The problem isn't just you, James. Dan, with his deceptively attractive, reasonable-sounding voice, is just as guilty of it as you are. You just don't seem to understand basic ideas of habitus and narrativization and come across as a pair of Jordan Peterson lights, paying lip service to self-awareness about it notwithstanding. OK. He continues, there's more. Anyone who can wax poetic about flow while remaining blind to structural violence needs to do a lot, in capitals, a lot more reading or just stay in their lane. Right, OK, OK. Uh, there's more. He says that we should stick to aspirational, uh, self-helpy, although not necessarily with the negative connotations that that carries these days. Sort of like 10 ways to change your patterns and be happy, lose weight, get the job, make friends, school of popular psychology. 
He says, I love you, just don't talk about class. I'm going to have to re-listen to this and see how I undermined anyone. I'm dreadfully sorry. I think maybe like uh, Jeremy Corbyn, we need to take a, a period of reflection. <laughs> 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 think about how our, um, our little bubble, our ranting ideological dogma has been totally out of touch with the people, not what they wanted and comprehensively rejected. And we need to take a good 10-week period of reflection to think about what we've done and think about who to blame. <laughs> I, th- I think this might be the final ever episode of, <laughs> of Private Practice Podcast. Although, I, I w- do you know what? I, I, we've talked about it many times before and, and about getting a guest on getting someone on the show that can really uproot some of the the farcical nonsense that we're obviously sprouting here. And uh, could you just turn your phone around and show me who that is? <laughs> oh, you can probably guess. No, no, I can't. I honestly, I think all of your friends are, are incredibly articulate um, and opinionated and have a strength of character that I feel um, quite frightening. Does that mean anything? Because it's a nickname and a cartoon uh, picture. Um... No, not really, but okay, we'll come back to that later. Um, okay, well, I'm really sorry for somehow, with my rosy apple side of voice, uh, upsetting people, uh, and uh, I'm sure that I do need to read more books. <laughs> um, not, do, do you think that we've successfully addressed it, or do you think I just read it out in a ludicrous way no. and then sat back and left it there that can of worms open no. giggling I like think an idiot probably would have pissed off our listener a bit more with with that but okay you know merry christmas to the listener thank you for that feedback i really appreciate it when when i get to when i get to uh have you on the show i'll be very interested to see if we can get to the bottom of some of this and uh i'm just gonna i'm gonna really think about what i've done over christmas Maybe unpack the fudge this time. Possibly. That's kind of like diarrhoea, isn't it? If you extend I, the I, derogatory I, I, gay I, insult. Um, I don't know. Next on the Christmas to play the sack game <laughs> um yeah let's play the sack game okay let me get my timer up do you want to stick to the rules and make sure that everything is an item that can fit in a sack and be small enough to a fit in and then not overfill the sack collectively or do you want to be loose this year I think that's the point of the game, isn't it? Okay, so we'll be strict again. Uh, Right. Well, in that case, in the spirit of things, Dan, in Santa's sack, full of presents, 
Ooh, okay. Uh, he has decided this year, in a flash of inspiration during a during an accessible mindfulness moment of flow during his day in Lapland, he looked around the grotto and all the elves making the presents, and he decided to focus on nothing but red things, and then said, I know, this year I'm only going to deliver red things. So, Dan, you have one minute to list Santa's Christmas presents that are all red, starting now. Um, a red balloon, a tomato, a pepper, a red pepper, obviously, a chilli pepper, um, a cherry, a... Red, bright red Indian rubber ball, um, a red book. I could name three right now. Perhaps infectious diseases would be a good one to go into the thing. Um, a strawberry, um, uh, um, a red teddy bear, um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's tie, um, uh, the glasses my little brother used to wear. Red, small red objects. A pair of red shoes. Um, your sound recorder. Um, oh, my kitchen utensils. Oh, that 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 um, uh, toaster and kettle you spoke of. That's two items rather than one. Um, a fox. Um, what do you mean, a fox? Yeah. You mean your stuffed fox? That's totally bigger than everything else, and your time's up anyway. It doesn't matter. You still get all the points, but that stuffed Hooray! fox would not be able to fit in the sack along with all your kitchen ent- utensils and everything wait, else that wait, you listed. Wait. Santa's sack. Santa has, in the context of the sack game, an average-sized sack. This isn't a magical TARDIS-like okay. infinite sack. Um, I, I didn't include the strawberry because you were just listing vegetables, which aren't really presents. I included a couple of them. You got 14 points. Okay, that's pretty good. So do I now have to come up with a with a category for you? Yes. And you need a time at a time, one minute. Oh, God, this is way more difficult than I... Gosh, okay, one moment. Okay, James, the category that I am coming up with for you that fits in Santa's sack is... Musical instruments. And go. Flute. Viola. Violin. Triangle. Kazoo. My first keyboard, which is very small for a child and smaller than a normal-sized keyboard. A very small drum. (laughs) Uh, A ukulele. Um, A very small saxophone. No. What do you mean, no? Just no. What, that it's not... Well, maybe a full-size one would still fit in this sack as well. Fair enough. Um, those kind of, like, little symbols that monkeys use. A gong, which is flat, so it doesn't take up much space. Uh, I need to be quite audible with my thinking because this is a audio... Format. Um, I'm sorry, and you're out of time. Maraca, Caraca. Caracas. You're out of time. Oh. You're out of time. You got 11, James. So you win the sack game. Is this now the third year in a row that you've won the sack game? Probably. I'm just enjoying the time still. 
Hello, this is Daniel Brown's brother. I have now listened to one and a half episodes of Private Practice, and that's probably enough to be going on with. The way I see it, there's an idiot prattling on about whatever he feels like, and my brother responding between drags on a cigarette. So, you know, it's hardly the professionalism I look for in a podcast. Merry Christmas, everyone. Wasn't that fun? The sack game. Wasn't it? I had some feedback as well, James, but you didn't ask me about feedback, did you? Well, I know you've had some feedback because um, you shared some of it with me. Would you like to give us some feedback from your end of the private practice digestive system? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, there's not really a lot of feedback, but we just had this, James. Just listening to episode five now, I'm going to bookmark page 100. Smiley face, smiley face. <laughs> and then, and then from, from another listener, I had, I'm going to have to read page 100 now. <laughs> no, no smiley faces at all. For anyone who has forgotten, that's the uh, flowing sex page in the book. Ah, uh, flowing sex. Yeah, it didn't immediately spring to mind what that was about, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dim of me, I guess. Anything you'd like to predict for the new year or more to the point, ideas of how you can improve yourself in the new decade? Well, I mean, the only thing that I can really think about right now is that the the listener feedback that you received I'm struggling to bring anything else into my mind i think i'm gonna have to i think i want this person to come and join us on the show and break down some of the some of the ideas i that's the only that's the only thing i can think to do and i think that might make me a much better person because i guess when you're chatting in a podcast so removed from the reality of the world or removed from some people's reality, you one might not be able to really understand how difficult it is for some people to experience flow. And I think that despite the fact that we have mentioned it in different ways, in different episodes, and obviously different seasons of the podcast are very different to this one. Perhaps we need to rethink about some of the tone. Well, I was thinking that from that feedback, I could go, I could take one of two different directions. One is to just get more ridiculous, like some kind of comedy buffoon provocateur, uh, and keep saying more and more ridiculous things so that either no one takes it seriously or I get some kind of platform where I can then be prime minister. The other route is to stop being stupid on the podcast in the way that I have limited being stupid in real life. It's just so tempting when the headphones are on and the microphone's on and I can see Dan pulling a variety of facial expressions and demonstrating a whole cornucopia of body language positions. I do find myself prompted sometimes to be stupid. So you're blaming me? Nope, I'm blaming myself. Okay, okay, okay. Um, So do you think that that comment has 
has um, the feedback. So the listener feedback makes makes you want to do you want do you want to do things differently? You know, which, which one of those two options that you gave would you be more pushed towards? As the new, more complex, classless James Hall, what which one of those options do you think is is the right way to go? Not just for you, but for the podcast, and not just for the podcast, but for the listener, and not just for the listener, but for society. Well, being so complex these days, uh, I think that a combination of both of them. So the first one I gave, so when I said there are two different directions, that wasn't a good metaphor because it's not like a forking path and I have to make my choice. Uh, I think the first one I was being deliberately stupid saying I could turn into some cartoon buffoonish provocateur and then be prime minister. What I actually meant was that I could not consider it a problem that I sometimes say stupid things because in a sense it's the uh, it's the antithesis of self-censorship and when i do say stupid things it comes out into the open and especially when it's recorded and i listen back to it it's a comp- it's like writing we've talked about keeping a journal writing things down uh, when you write your thoughts down and you read them back you can make sense of them in a way that you simply can't when they're echoing around in your uh, state of consciousness along with all the other thoughts that just pop up from nowhere, all the feelings, emotions, and so on. When I say something stupid, I can't recognise it in the moment. I can't recognise it as I'm saying it necessarily, although as when you do say it out loud, it, you can in that moment hear it. But when, you, when we're recording a podcast, we're always in flow. We're always moving on to the next thing. Maybe that, although we've talked about that, I need to not move on to the next thing all the time. But, okay, Uh, I can continue to say stupid things because then I listen back to them and then I can come back to it and say, you know, last week I said a stupid thing and I've thought about it and I'm glad I said the stupid thing because I didn't know that I had no form of conclusion on that idea and that it was just chaotic in my mind and it was only through listening to it that it's been brought to my attention and I've been able to think it through and to actually come up with a more considered uh idea about the subject so that's one and then number two is to maybe try and do that before the episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to uh to write down my thoughts about the episode before recording uh deliberately try and write down some provocative things and then just look at them for a few days before recording and then i can bring that to the table uh during the recording in a more considered less performative way Okay, so I guess that's what you're going to be thinking about over the Christmas period. Because on the one hand, I have no problem with making jokes about the class system as long as the jokes are based on honest perception and, crucially, the jokes are funny. Nothing, as far as I'm concerned, is off-limits for humour. I'll happily make a joke about anything, but if it's ill-informed and not funny, then it's not worth making the joke. That's basically my bottom line how very reasonable of you um okay well in that case i guess this is something we'll come back to in the new year and before the new year we've got christmas coming up and would you like to give any pop psychology 10 tips on how to flow through christmas 10 top tips from dan on making perfect gravy having flowing conversations having an accessible walk around your local park on a frosty morning looking at the snowmen 
being mindful as you ponder the twinkling lights on the Christmas tree and really being in the moment and enjoying the complexity of the situation, matching your challenge with your ability when it comes to roasting the dinner and uh, the other activities that might come from Christmas. I thought that was an excellent list. I've given you plenty to go on. Pick something, expand on it slightly in your laid-back, friendly, approachable... What is it? Mm. Your... What's your style? 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 Your deceptively attractive, reasonable-sounding advice for top ten ways to flow through Christmas... Christmas to me is really just being around for your friends and family. Yeah, but think of that so, graph, matching the challenge with your ability and increasing the complexity to maximise enjoyment over pleasure. Think about that graph and apply that to Christmas. <laughs> well, you could always go to the um, article that I found the other day, which was the 87 best ways to decorate your Christmas tree this year. <laughs> And you could choose one of the more complicated ways, one of the ways that Match I like. it to your ability, crucially, surely. I mean, it's up to, it's up to the listener where they choose to jump into the uh, graph, isn't it? But, yeah, you know, maybe match it to your ability, maybe not. You'll still learn a lot about yourself. Well, um, no, you'll just learn about your ability and how you didn't have a flow activity if you didn't match your decorating skills to the challenge of among the 87 yeah i mean but if we if we genuinely broke it down a little bit more if you decided to do something like so one of the christmas trees that i really liked was uh, a rainbow christmas tree so from the bottom upwards every sort of layer almost concentrically although that's not probably probably not the right word was it was a different color but it it, it went subtly through the tones from red orange yellow green etc etc and so you know you had this beautiful rainbow of ornaments and tinsel going through it and it was very very it wasn't that subtle really but it you know the the, the colors didn't change really quickly you see if i went to do that and got all the decorations out and and tried to exactly replicate what i'd seen in the picture whether i was successful or not i still think that i could have turned that into a flow activity what kind of flow activity an accessible flow activity. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's always amusing when um, someone's catchphrase is highlighted and that person gets weary hearing it back for the first time as if it's some kind of nauseatingly repetitive thing. And especially when it's presented. You talked to Burley about uh, it's not really the feedback, it's the way it's presented. And me saying that you say accessible flow activity all the time and chinking my glass and but no goading you and prompting you and then chinking my glass and you sort of going uh, yes receding into disillusionment but i mean if we're if we're going into that realm because uh, i thought talking about something being accessible is ah, this is for the new year this is for the new year I'm in such a jolly mood that um, we'll talk about accessibility. (laughs) Okay, so something like make your tree rainbow-coloured... Distracted us there. Dan's... I can't remember this for love nor fudge. Dan's 
deceptively attractive, reasonable sounding guide to flowing through Christmas, matching your ability with your challenge to achieve optimal complex enjoyment is something like making your tree rainbow colored. Is that what it was? Yeah, I'd say that was exactly what it was, James. I feel I genuinely feel bad now because I was enjoying you talking about the rainbow thing and you were about to conclude it and I jumped in so that I could be stupid about your catchphrase and then I knew I was going to irritate you. I knew I was going to do it and I wanted to hear you conclude what you were saying about the rainbow tree and now you don't want to. <laughs> Listen, this is what I was trying to get to is that no matter what you're doing, if you want a lovely way to get involved in flow is think about that those those exciting ideals that are presented to you like like I have been with my Nigella Christmas book today the Nigella Christmas cookbook is very good by the way but the way that Christmas is presented is so utterly fucking ridiculous you know um, the television adverts, the what you have to buy, the how your house is meant to look, how well the food is meant to be presented, the food that you're buying, the, the gifts that you're receiving, the what you look like, the happiness. It's also utterly fucking ridiculous that I'm just saying that if there is something that you've seen and you liked and you wanted to, although I'm somewhat disheartened about flow activity right now, obviously, um, is, is to, to give it a go and to enjoy giving it a go. And uh, I guess you picked me up in the idea that the but the astute listener will notice that you did say flow activity in that carry on good good if there's something that you really love about christmas and for me it's decorating a tree and i know that obviously lots of people will love decorating a tree it's something that you've seen you don't actually have to get it perfectly right to enjoy it as a flow activity but you do have to try it otherwise you won't learn a little something about your ability and about how you do things if I've learnt anything from this episode, I've learnt quite a lot this episode. Number one, if there's anything that can disrupt flow, it's chinking a glass whenever someone in the flow of conversation says a prompt word. And the moral of that is don't play drinking games and alcohol ruins lives. Uh, next thing is that we need to... Or we don't need to, but we can, and I will... Think about ensuring or doing my best to ensure that any complex subject I have to the best of my knowledge or to the best of my ability, um, given it a good go at some worthwhile research. And I think about things I'm going to say in advance. This is kind of like a uh, this is a production meeting. My Christmas message to everyone <laughs> out there. I say down to you. <laughs> I s hold on. I have learnt nothing. Here is my Christmas message that I deliver down to thee from the lofty position of me, the divine James Hall, up here on my only child plateau. I say down to thee. You may be working class and oh, fuck. the structural violence of the class system is geared up to deal you a bad hand for which there's not much you can do in your life. And with the first past the post system, it is very 
easy for you to feel like the political class is conspired against your best interests and the only option is despondency. But I, festive James here at Christmas, <laughs> would like to remind you that no matter how bad it gets, to do is go for an accessible walk and follow our simple accessible flow advice patronizing as it may be <laughs> <laughs> no i just hope that all of our listeners no matter who you are have a really happy christmas thank you for all the feedback thank you for the uh sack of um, private practice podcast uh, Christmas cards that we James and I are going to be opening shortly uh, thank you for all the gifts you've sent through uh, thank you for bearing with us both as we um, embark on our um, developmental journey through the power of podcast and I hope you have a m- marvellous Christmas, a very merry Christmas and that your next year is better than ever before well I would just like to repeat that I hope you have more enjoyment and complexity than pleasure this Christmas. I'm going to say that again. I would like to repeat that I hope you have more enjoyment and complexity as a result of matching your abilities with your challenges this Christmas than pure indulgent pleasure from sitting in front of the TV and stuffing your face with food. Here, here. Have some flowing conversations, even with your least approachable relatives go for that walk on a frosty morning and look at all the snowmen and pick your route and stick to it and notice thoughts coming in and out of your head and think about how you feel when those thoughts pop into your head make sure that you follow dan's advice to decorate your christmas tree like a rainbow because that will uh, what's the christmas song that's got gay in it yeah Healthy and gay. Gay meaning happy in a Christmas song. Can't remember which one it is. Probably Cliff Richard. Make your Christmas gay, isn't it? No, make, make, make your something gay. Make your Yuletide gay, that's the one. So make your, make your Yuletide gay with a rainbow Christmas yes. tree, that's it. And, Brilliant. And I just, Brilliant. I just don't know enough about uh, the class system to have any further conclusions on what you should do if flow is more difficult for you i don't think it is more difficult though i absolutely don't think it is more difficult i just think i've said some stupid obnoxious things that have been brought to my attention very well by someone okay good excellent well i'm glad that the last thing you're gonna say (laughs) other than goodbye was that Merry Christmas, everyone, from the Private Practice Podcast Studios in London. Merry Christmas from the Private Practice Podcast Studio in Spain. Bonsoir à tous. Je voudrais vous souhaiter un très joyeux Noël. J'espère que vous passerez de très agréables fêtes. Et, uh, et je vous souhaite uh, une très belle année à la, suite, uh, à la suite de ce merveilleux Noël que vous aurez en famille ou avec vos amis. Je vous embrasse. Bisous, bisous. Sous-savez-vous. Sous-savez-vous. Exactement. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs>